So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does not, or I'm sorry, and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to the baptism of jo that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth in the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who has been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one that one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of his sins through his name. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. All right. You guys can have a seat. Thank you, Lisa. Here. There you go. Thank you, Miss Kelly. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. Um, well, that's from Acts chapter 10. If you guys have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn over there. Um, the last few weeks, y'all, we've been walking through really, um, not the book of Acts, but, the, but really Peter's life and Peter's story. If you're helping out with VBS, um, you're going to be doing that this week as well. You're gonna be, it's really the same stories we kind of lined ourselves up with the VBS lessons because it's kind of all about Peter and his journey following Jesus. Um, and what we've seen is just such an, an amazing story of how God, when he sent his son Jesus into this world, began to interact with people on a more personal level, right? And started to call these 12 guys in particular, Peter being one of them, to follow him around and see the things that he was doing and then even give them ministry to do. And as we walk through Peter's story, we just see this dude who's, man, from the beginning, uh, kind of rough around the edges, right? Can anybody testify to being rough around the edges a little bit? Yeah, um, like we all are, and Peter's uh, no exception to this, just rough around the edges, has a hard time with what he believes, what he you know, what Jesus is doing and who Jesus is and what he wants to follow Jesus, but he struggles with that too. And um, man, we even see him deny Christ before his death. And then Jesus reinstates him um, back into the ministry. And then last week we see him heal a man in the book of Acts and really become the, the, the preacher of the early church, the greatest preacher, the prince of the apostles is what he was called, or the chief of the apostles. Um, he was really the leader of the earliest church in Jerusalem, Peter, because Jesus had so changed him. Jesus had so radically transformed his heart and his mind. Not just by the things that he said, of course the things that he said uh, mattered, and the truth that he told and the witness that Jesus bore about who he was and who God is, but also the things that he did, right? That Jesus did go to the cross, he did die on that cross, and he did rise from the dead. And that fact changed Peter forever. And I said this last week, I'll say it again. I just think that Peter's life and Peter's story is one of the best apologetical testimonies of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right? If people have a hard time, if maybe you have a hard time believing, did Jesus really rise from the dead? I think Peter's story is a great place to start because people don't change like this for no reason. People don't change like this overnight just about 
if something significant, really significant hasn't happened in their life. I'm talking about a guy whose entire personality changes. And for Peter, as the story we're going to see today, not just his personality, but really his, his beliefs and practices even change. Pra- practices that have been passed down for hundreds of years to Jewish people. And in particular, the story we're seeing today in Acts chapter 10, it is really about the door opening up to go, for the gospel to go, not just to the Jewish people now, not just to the Samaritan people now, but to the Gentile world, to the rest of everybody else. Um, and that's good news for us because I don't, I don't, maybe somebody in here is Jewish by kind of nationality, but if you're not, you're a Gentile, right? That's you and me. We're not Jews by uh, lineage, descent, right? And so we are Gentile people. We are not Jewish people. And so Acts chapter 10 is a watershed moment for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's Peter who gets to take the step, literally take the step into a man named Cornelius's house. Cornelius being a Gentile. And he gets to take a step into his house and share with him the good news of Jesus Christ. And so today's very simple. Um, I want to tell you the story a little bit. And then at the end, I'm just going to kind of help us apply this message to ourselves, wherever we're at, whether you are already a believer in Jesus or maybe you're not. And um, today I hope that that changes, to be honest with you. Um, So let's open up Acts chapter 10. Uh, I'm just going to start reading verse 1 here. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who had come to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier, who was one, one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So the first character we meet is this guy named Cornelius. He's an officer, a centurion in the Roman army, not a Jewish man. Now, it does say that he's a God-fearing man, and he prayed to God regularly. He would be what the Jews would actually call a God-fearer. That was a literal term that the Jewish people had for Gentiles who had not converted to Judaism, yet had renounced pagan gods and wanted to follow the God of the Jews, right? So he was a man who wanted to follow the God of the Jews, Yahweh, as the Jews did, yet he did not officially convert to Judaism. He did not accept the sign of circumcision, which was the Jewish sign, right? The physical Jewish sign. He never accepted that. So he is a Gentile. He is not a Jew, but he does want to follow the Jewish God. Um, All that to say, simply this, God is like, if there's anybody in the world who would be the easiest candidate for Peter to go and share the gospel with, who's a Gentile, it's this guy, right? God has like set the table for Peter. This dude is seeking after God. He he loves what he's heard about Yahweh. He gives to the poor like the Jews do. Like he's doing the things that God calls his people to do. He just hasn't converted to Judaism yet. And so that, that creates sort of this kind of weird rift between him and the Jewish people still. Right? And so Peter, being a good Jewish man, wouldn't naturally be inclined to go to Cornelius. He wouldn't naturally be inclined to go to his house. Because the Jews, even though their law didn't expressly forbid them from entering a Gentile's house, um, their traditions really did. So tradition would teach them over the centuries, you don't, you don't associate with the Gentiles. 
You just stay separate for them. Now, the Gentiles can come to the temple, and they can be in the Gentile court of the temple. They can't go in to the inner parts of the temple, but they can be in the Gentile court, and they can worship there, but we don't go into their homes. But God is setting the table, right? So that's why he specifically shows up to Cornelius. God shows up to Cornelius, says, there's a man named Simon Peter that I'm going to send to you. I need you to send some guys to go get him, and then he's going to come to you. Verse 9, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. You ever fall into a trance when you're hungry? Yeah, it happens. Um, he saw heaven open. This is, this is something deeper though, right? He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. So, Peter sees the sheep being let down from heaven. Again, God is doing some miraculous stuff here. And this happens through the book of Acts because he is opening up his church to new territory, right? He's got to miraculously change. If he doesn't do this in Peter's life, Peter's not going to be transformed. Okay, does that make sense? He needs Peter to have a clear understanding of what he wants him to do. Does God always show us a vision of somebody we need to go share the gospel with? No. In fact, I think the, the answer for us would just simply be, just go share the gospel with everybody, right? But for Peter, he needed to show him something specific because this was, this was taking new ground for the kingdom of God. This was going to change, literally change everything for the church. At this point, it's just Jewish and Samaritan people. Samaritans are half Jewish. Um, so he, he sees this sheet come down from heaven with all these animals on it. Some of the animals are clean. Some of the animals are unclean, according to Jewish law. Peter's kind of worried about this, and he says, God, I'm not going to eat anything that I'm not supposed to eat. So he says, verse, verse 14, surely not. Lord Peter replied, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened how many times? Three times. That's a theme in Peter's life. Anybody notice this about Peter? Three times, right? That happens a lot. Read the Gospels, read his denial of Christ, read his, rein, his reinstatement, read all these things, right? Three times. Three times this happened. The sheet was taken back up to heaven. Then Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision. The men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out if, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, how many guys? Three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. So again, God is just, he's just intervening in a very specific way here for Peter because he needs something to change for the church and something drastic has to happen for that to happen. Verse 21, Peter went down and said to the man, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius, the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. So just to kind of recap uh, down to verse 34, Peter goes with the men. They travel to Cornelius' house. Takes him a few days, um, and they eventually get all the way to Cornelius' house. All this to say, listen, as you read through the book of Acts in general, this is just something helpful to kind of think about. Pay attention to how intentionally God sovereignly sets up salvation for people, right? And how God opens doors and sometimes closes doors as you read through the book of Acts and directs his people, directs his apostles where to go, what to say, what to do. Y'all, who, who's in charge of salvation? 
God is in charge of salvation, right? And God has set the stage for Peter and his family, Gentile people, to come to faith in Jesus. And he has like set it on a platter for Peter, calling Peter. Peter, just go to this house and, and, and Cornelius is ready to hear what you have to say. So let's go to verse 34. So Peter goes, he, he walks to Cornelius' house. He gets there, he goes into the house. That's such a significant thing, again, because he even says, like, y'all know it's against our law. And again, it's not official law, but it's more tradition. Um, it's against the law for Peter to even be there by Jewish tradition. And he enters into the house. Verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message that God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened through Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses. We talked about this last week. This was the mission of the apostles, right? Be witnesses of the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. He's getting into the gospel here, right? But God raised him from the dead and on the third day caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God already had chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone, here's the key verse, Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Peter just goes full gospel on these people, right? And he's just like, look, I'm here and this is what I feel like. I believe that God wants me to let you know that Jesus is who Jesus is. He did what he did. He died on the cross. He rose again. We're witnesses of this. And now everybody, he already said, God shows no favoritism, right? And everybody who would call on the name of Jesus will be forgiven of their sins and saved. Amen, right? This is the good news of the gospel. It is taking in this moment, taking new ground. It is, it is going from just a sort of centralized religion for the Jewish and the Samaritan people of that region to in this moment, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10 being such a critical chapter for us. Acts chapter 10, the gospel going from this moment into the rest of the world. This is gonna be the open door, right? And all Peter has to do is just share it, and he does, right? He just speaks the gospel. Here's what happens. Verse 44. When Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, these are Jews, right? The Jewish people who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. They didn't even know what was going to happen right? And the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit. That just simply means they, they believe in Jesus. They put their faith in Jesus. And the God allows them to see a, a physical manifestation of that, verse 46, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. That probably simply means they were speaking in actual human languages, but that the, the Hebrew people could understand, right? Maybe actually speaking Hebrew in some way or like a language that they would all understand together. And they were, they were amazed at this because the Holy Spirit was allowing them to do it. It was just confirmation that these Gentile believers had received the same gospel and the same Holy Spirit that the Jewish believers had received. That there is now zero distinction. There is zero separation between Jewish Christian and Gentile Christian. Now, 
all are one in Christ Jesus by the filling of the Holy Spirit given to them who hear the gospel and believe in Jesus Christ. Y'all, that's good news. And so much of the New Testament is written about that fact that now Paul and Peter and John and those guys, they're trying to help the Christians understand this, that there is no separation. Go read uh, Ephesians chapter two, where he talks about us being made one new man, one new man out of Jew and Gentile, one, one community, one family, one body, one church in the name of Jesus Christ, because the Holy Spirit has filled every one of us in the same way. Then Peter said, verse 47, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few more days. This is significant because Jesus needed Peter to be there. Peter, like I said, he was the, the chief of the apostles, the prince of the apostles. He was the leader. In uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus gives Peter a new name. You know what it was? Peter. That was his new name. His old name, his Jewish name, his Hebrew name was Simon. Right? That was the name he went by from birth. Jesus gives him a new name. It means uh, it, the name is Peter. Peter is a Greek name. Right? And so like, you don't maybe understand what he's doing in Matthew 16 when he says, you are now Peter. And he does that right after Peter confesses what? He says, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Right? Peter says that to Jesus, and Jesus says, okay, now, you are Peter. I'm Christ, you're Peter. You are Petros. That would be the Greek word. The word Petros, you know what it means? It means rock, right? Foundation, rock, something to stand on. And he says, you are Petros. On this, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And then he tells Peter, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's essentially giving Peter and the apostles authority to go do exactly what Peter's doing here. And so as we open up the book of Acts, what we see is Peter being the one, the, the rock, the Petros, right? The rock on which the church is built, right? It's Jesus, but he gives this authority to Peter so that Peter would be wherever new ground is taken for the gospel, right? Who preaches the first sermon to the Jews to believe in Jesus? It's Peter. Who's the one who has to go and confirm that the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit and now have faith in Jesus? It's Peter. And who is it that Jesus calls to go to Cornelius' house for the first time to open up the gospel to the Gentiles? It's Peter. Why is it Peter? Because all the other apostles and all the other Christians are going to listen to him. And then the next chapter, Acts chapter 11, what we're actually going to see is there's a controversy about this. People start getting really weirded out by it, and they're going, hey, what, what's this news about the Gentiles being Christians? And it's Peter who's able to stand up and say, no, it's true. It's true that the Gentiles, just like us Jews, are now welcomed into the kingdom of God by faith in Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with, do with Jewish ceremonial laws, right? And has nothing to do with them following Old Testament statues. It has everything to do with, do you believe in the name of Jesus or do you not? Jewish people believe in the name of Jesus, they're saved. Gentile people believe in the name of Jesus, guess what? They're saved. And so for us in this room, I mean, kind of two sides of this that I want us to kind of think about for a minute. When you, when you read that story, when you hear that story, where are you at right now in your relationship to Jesus? Maybe some of us, and I'm really just going to kind of talk about Peter and Cornelius. Maybe some of us are, are kind of on Peter's side. You're already a Christian, like Peter. You're already a Christian. You've been following Jesus. You know him. And maybe, well, probably, absolutely, I'll say, 
there are people in your life that God is calling you to go and share the good news of Jesus with. You've received it. You've been saved. You've been baptized in the water. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. And now your mission is the same as Peter's mission was. No, you're not an apostle like Peter was, but your mission is still the same to go and to share the good news. And I'll tell you this, just like Peter found out with Cornelius, God is the one doing the work. Do you understand this? Like, I know we stress ourselves out and we worry ourselves sometimes about like, what, what, what's somebody's response gonna be when I share the gospel with them? What if they say this? Or what if they ask me a weird question that I don't know the answer to, right? Or what if they just get mad about that? Or what if they think I'm judging them? Listen, maybe, maybe some of those things will happen from time to time. It should cause you to wanna sharpen yourself, right? And your understanding and your knowledge of Jesus and the gospel, scripture. I hope it, want, it makes you wanna do that. But also, listen, just to trust in Jesus with this. Just to trust in God with the salvation of the people in your life who don't know him yet, right? That there are all sorts of people in this world, in our community, at the places where you work, maybe in your families, who don't yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's your job to go and share it with them. And like Peter, just trust that God is the one setting the table. No, it might not work the first time you shared. It might not work the second time you shared. But keep trying and just go and just witness And listen, pray, pray about this. It's really hard to talk to your friend about Jesus if you haven't talked to Jesus about your friend. You know what I'm saying? Man, just pray for them. Pray for their soul and pray for their salvation and trust that God will bring the fruit in due time. Okay, so that's that's a lot of us in this room. I think it's probably most of us in this room. We're somewhere on that side. You're a Christian, you're following Jesus. Man, go share the gospel. Some of you may be over here and you're on the side of Cornelius and you have not yet put your faith in Jesus. And and what's interesting about Cornelius' story is that it says right up front, right, Cornelius is a really good guy, right? He's a really good guy. He's a God-fearing man. He loves the God of the Jews, right? He gives to the poor. He worships God. He does a lot of good things. So let me ask you this. Why did Peter have to go share the good news of Jesus with Cornelius? Here's why. Because being good doesn't save him. Being really a good guy did not save Cornelius any more than it saves anybody ever. Yes, God was drawing him near and Cornelius was seeking after God. Like I said, God was just making it easy for Peter, right? But some of us may be sitting in this room right now just thinking about that for our own selves and going, you know what? I'm a pretty good person. I'm pretty nice to people for the most part. I don't really break the law. I haven't like done any of the major sins that I can think of. I've done some of the little ones, right? But I haven't really gone off the rails and I'm not really great, whatever. But Cornelius needed to hear that there is one way to be saved. And it's not being good. It's not following the Jewish laws. It's not trying to check off the Ten Commandments. It's trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation. That's it. So listen, if any of you are on that side of things today, my call to you is the same as Peter's was at the end of this story. You believe in the name of Jesus Christ for salvation. And then Peter says, what could stop these people from being baptized right now? I don't know. What could stop anybody in here? What could stop anybody then? What could stop anybody today from being baptized? We have baptism second service already lined up and we're excited about that. But listen, we didn't line any up, but we might have some right now. If there's anybody in the room right now 
who you've been thinking about it maybe, or maybe just this morning, God has kind of shown this to you that there's only one name by which you can be saved, and it's not your own name. It wasn't the name of Cornelius. It wasn't the name of Peter either. It was the name of Jesus. And Peter said, if anyone trusts in the name of Jesus, that they are forgiven of their sins. Listen, brothers, sisters, friends. You are a sinful person, desperately in need of one thing, and that's forgiveness of sins. And it is only through the name of Jesus that sins are forgiven because he died on the cross to pay for those sins. The death you and I deserve, he died for those sins. And then he rose again from the dead. Peter was a witness to that fact. 500 other people were witnesses to that fact. And then they went and they started the church based on that truth that they knew was true, that rock that they could stand on. Jesus is Lord. I put my faith in him. I trust that he died, that he rose again. And I will be saved. And you will be saved. So I'm going to invite um, Mr. Guy and, and Lauren to come on back up. And they're going to actually lead us in maybe the most famous song in Christian history. It's the song Amazing Grace. Just kind of the old hymn version of that. Um, they're going to lead us in that this morning. Here, here's what I want to do uh, as we do this. I want to give us a time to pray together as a church. And um, there's really sort of two action steps. And again, it kind of goes with whether you're on Peter's side of things or you're on Cornelius' side of things. That if you're on Peter's side of things, if you are a follower of Jesus, here's what I want you to pray for this morning. And listen, you can stand and sing. Please do that. If the Lord leads you just to want to sing and worship him with amazing grace. But I want you to pray this morning for those in your life who don't know Jesus. I want you to pray, God, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. If it's a coworker, if it's a family member, if it's a neighbor, whoever that is, God, please just give me, open a door. Open a door. I want to invite you. Listen, it's Christians in the room. I want to invite you to come down and kneel and let this be an altar this morning where we just lift up the names of people who we know need to hear about Jesus. Come and do that this morning. Lift them up to God. Trust in him that he is already working in their life to draw them to himself and that he may just be using you to send you to them to share the gospel with them. So let's pray for the lost. Let's pray for people who don't know Jesus. And then maybe if you're on that side of the Cornelius side of things, that you haven't just yet, haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you haven't been baptized. My call to you is this, believe in Jesus today. Receive today the forgiveness of sins because as you sit, you sit condemned under the weight of your sin and the wrath of God. But if you would accept his free gift, it's a free gift if you will accept it through the name of Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, if you will believe that he is Lord and Savior, you today, right now, will be saved, forgiven of sins. And yes, you can get baptized today. We can do that. Right when they're done singing, we can come right here and we can baptize you today, just like that household. We have extra towels. We have extra clothes. Don't worry about it. What's gonna stop? Like Peter said, what's gonna stop these people from being baptized? You know what's gonna stop it? You. That's it. Unbelief. That's what's going to stop it. But if you believe in Jesus today and you haven't made this decision yet, I'm going to stand right over there by that cross. And I just want to invite you to come talk with me. Just come talk with me. I'd love to talk with you, pray with you. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, do it. Do it. For everybody else, let's let this be an altar. Or you can pray at your seat. Just let's pray for the lost. Maybe that person's in this room. Let's pray 
that God would draw those who don't know him to himself. Let me pray. God, we love you and thank you that you so changed Peter's life like that. And you led him to new ground, God. You led him to even the Gentile uh, uh, people who didn't yet know you, God. Thank you that we've seen the gospel move forward for hundreds of years, thousands of years. I pray, God, that the gospel would not stop now, that it would just keep going. And God, that you would use us, the Christians here, to go and be witnesses of the gospel. And God, if there is anyone in this room today who needs to put faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that they would come, they would trust him and receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of your Holy Spirit living in them. God, we love you and we thank you. By your amazing grace and in the name of Jesus, we pray.